greet you in Jesus' name this morning. The title of the message this morning is, Every Member a Witness. Little things strike me and make me think big, or at least hard. Last Sunday I was visiting with Alex, and a comment was made about, oh, he said he was visiting with a friend of his, and there was a comment made in that conversation about a congregation that was struggling. And then the person asked, Alex, how's your church doing? And Alex, uh, not sure if I knew the wording exactly, but you said, it's healthy? Yeah. Yeah, he said, our church is healthy. Our church is healthy. And I was thinking all week, what would be the greatest witness in the world? So, um, I don't know the situation, it's none of my business, uh, obviously somewhere there was a church that's struggling. That is a witness. It just is. There's no way around that. If a church is healthy, that is a witness. There's no way around it. That's just the facts. It is the reflection of reality. But the question still come, came to me, what is the greatest witness in the world? And we talk about the Great Commission, and we'll get into that, uh, you know, it's like Jerusalem and Judea and other most parts of the world. And, and so in my mind, when the word witness, I mean, it's us and blooming prairie. All right? Us and Minneapolis or Chicago. Us and Guatemala. All right? So, in my perspective, it was us and someone removed. Whether it's closely removed, further removed, or way removed. And that was how I guess I always thought. That is, that was the train of thought that always came to my mind when I was thinking of witnessing. But the question still needs to be answered, what is the greatest witness in the world? What would be the greatest witness in the world? Okay, I'm thinking all week. <laughs> so, if we flunked in Guatemala, would that be bad? If we flunked in Chicago, would that be bad? If we flunked in Blooming Prairie, would that be bad? But would still everything be all right, even though we flunked everywhere else? 
And my mind went to John 17, and you can turn with me. We won't spend much time here. The, the thing that kept coming back to my mind is there's something, is there something more foundational than Blooming Prairie, Chicago, and Guatemala? Is there something more foundational than that? In John 17, and I'm going to take a stab at what I believe maybe is the most foundational witness in the world. And if you can find others, I'm certainly open. John 17. Ah, maybe we'll break in at verse 15. This is really tough to know where even to start in here. We should start at 1, but we're not. I pray that thou shouldest... Pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Now, just keep in, in, in mind the perspective of witnessing here, of, of being a representative for Jesus Christ. All right? Where did I stop? 16? Where did I stop? 16. Huh? 18. 18. Oh, okay. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Notice that witnessing dynamic there. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I believe the most powerful witness in the world is found when we are one as God and Christ is one. That brothers and sisters, is the most dynamic witness in the world. Somewhere the witness needs to start. All right, There's got to be a foundational principle that all witnessing sits on. That either validates the witness or invalidates the witness. And, it, and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, what are all the dynamics of a congregation being one as Jesus is one with the Father? How could that happen? How does that happen? And is it something that we need to cherish? And how much should we cherish it? I heard the theory once. That the reason people fight in church is because they don't witness out on the street. So they're not busy out there, so they just sit and pick at each other. 
There may be a small element of truth to that. However, if we are not one as God is one, what's out in the street don't mean a whole lot. Um, so anyhow, just, just think about that. Just, just, just think about what brings on unity in a group of people to the point that they could be one as Christ is one with God. Just, just think about all the dynamics that has to be in action for that to materialize and to work. And what that, whatever those dynamics are, how that would impact and lay foundational, lay a foundation for every other level of witness to be valid. That, that's a whole lot to wrap your mind around. But but it, but it's something to think about, and of course. Um, so what we are is what spills out to those around us, which is our witness. I think there's an old Indian proverb that says this. What you are overflowing with will spill out when you are bumped. I just thought that was... In Acts 1 at 8... We use this passage of Scripture for witnessing. Ye shall receive power, and that word power means, the Greek word is dunamis, which we get our, our word dynamite. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye may be witnesses. You can try to be witnesses. It says, you shall. You, you just will. There, there's no getting around it. You will be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and to other most parts of the earth. Uh, i got to keep moving. Well, let's go back to Matthew 28. Is another passage of Scripture that we use in reaching out to others. Matthew 28. Uh, let's, let's go to verse 18. I'm going to look at verse 18 to 20. Yes. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now this word power, all power, is different than the dynamite power. Alright? This power means delegated influence. Now he's saying, I am a delegated influence sent by God. And I am making you a delegated influence for me because I'm leaving. Another place, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So, God is laying on our shoulders the responsibility to be a delegated influence for God.
You know, we can be for something, but not of something. And you may think, well, that's a little bit of a pick of words, a play on words there, but I, I, I can be for something, but I not necessarily am always personally involved, all right? Now let's turn to John, and we're going to look at uh, John the Baptist. Now he was a forerunner of Christ. And it says he, he came to bear witness. All right. Uh, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. And in the light shined in darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. Now here enters John. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was to bear witness of that light. That is a, I'll, I'll pause right here and keep my finger on so I know where I'm at. That is a profound statement, a profound concept that John had that we need to understand. We are not that light, but we have been given the responsibility to bear witness of that light. I used to have fun at work. Every once in a while, oh, we'd put in bifold doors and bypass doors and, and these fancy homes and and they get these mirrored doors, all right? So, and really, really bright, hot sun, summer day. And, and I would take one of these mirrored doors, and I would take it out there. And these guys are w framing a house, you know, like eight houses down or something. And I'd get this big old mirror, and I would shine that right in their eyes. Bright sunshine, right smack, you know. And they were down there going, like, this here, and... And it's no problem. I mean, they, they're picking up real quick that something's not, something's going on here, flashing all over the job site, and I get it in their face. I was not that light. That mirror was not that light. That was a reflector of the light. Now you compare that with what we call a eclipse. where the moon gets in the way of the sun. Alright? So, can I get in the way of God and create an eclipse to those near me? Or can I be a reflector? John says, the Bible says, he was a reflector. He specific, specifically said he was not that light. And that's important for us to remember. It, maybe it's a little humbling sometimes that we are, we want to be a witness and so, so we got to be perfect so that we're a good witness. Now I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not minimizing Christian virtues and being what God wants us to do, but folks this morning, and I have to remind you, I am not that light. You are not that light. We are simply reflectors of that light. We just need to remember that. Oh, I took my fingers off. Where did I stop? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah. He was not that light. Hey, okay, yeah. Verse 8. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, verse 15. And John bare witness of him, and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Notice that. Christ must always be preferred. In my life, he always must be preferred. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. And he is the source of the power in my life. Verse 16. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? He confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They said, What? Then, art thou Elias? And he said, I am not. Art thou the prophet? And he answered, no. They said unto him, who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, why baptizest thou then, if not, not be the Christ, Elias, or that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth among you whom ye know not. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and, de and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And again the next day after John stood, two of the disciples, and he looked upon Jesus as he walked, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And what was the result? And the disciples heard, two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. John the Baptist, John the Baptist, a tremendous challenge to me. He, he, he said, you know, behold the Lamb of God. Our job's the same. Behold the Lamb of God. What a powerful witness of the saving power of Jesus Christ. So the question may be asked, how is a witness received? How how do people receive a witness? How does the people in Blooming Prairie receive your witness? How does the people within Prairie Church receive my witness, your witness? How does that happen? What is involved? Um, very basic. They see, they feel, they hear, they smell, they taste. Just by our five senses. Or by mental observation. They look, they process, they reason, they observe, they think. One man said once, he says, I may be stupid, but I'm not dumb. 
And what he was saying is, I have a lot to learn, but I'm not naive. Okay, so in, in, in a sense, we are. We, we, we may be stupid, but we're not dumb. We, we receive uh, witness all around us. People will watch, and if they follow you, and the results are good, confirms your witness that it is valid. If they follow you, and the results are bad, that is a witness in itself. So their personal experience, the results of their personal experience in, in doing what you do and what I do, and the results of that is either going to validate your witness or invalidate your witness. My witness. And of course, the working of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad that in, in, in ministering to other people and working with other people, that I am not a... Oh, pardon me here, I'm getting in trouble. I was going to say a used car salesman. <laughs> but I, I'll let that stand. Okay? A used car salesman has to work all on the outside, right? Wendon? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's like you can't really get into their heart and change their heart. All right? So, but, but you know, with the, with the Holy Spirit working in a Christian's life, there is a dynamic there that cannot rep be replaced by secular salesmanship. I'll just say that. And particularly when there's prayer involved and, and uh, personal concern. And so the Holy Spirit. So that's how a witness is received. How, how should a witness be given? Let's turn to 1 John 3. Little children, verse 7, Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of Man was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his sin remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest. Okay, so say, how is a witness given? This is the answer of how a witness is given. This, in this the children of man are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And this is the message ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, for the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brother, and he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby, listen carefully, hereby perceive we the love of God. How did God portray his Witness of love into my life. How did he do it? What was his method? How can we follow him in our methodology so that our witness is valid? How does that happen? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his vows of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, neither in deed, and in truth. And so he's, he, he, God portrayed his love to us by his commitment to our good. That's how he did it. Something we could visually see, we could hear, we could lay our hands on, our hands have handled, the Bible says, those that uh, followed him, 
Someone has said, it's not what make what we eat, but what we digest that makes us strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember that make us learn. And not what be what we profess, but what we practice that make us Christian. Just, I, I had to sit and digest that in a while. What was Jesus' main gripe, if I want to call it that, with the Pharisees? What was his main gripe? They said what they said, but they did something completely different. That was his main gripe. How's a witness given? By what we say about God. Okay, our witness of God must reflect the character of God. Okay, we call it doctrine. Uh, we call it biblical truth. Um, so, so our, our, our witness. Okay, if you're striking up a conversation with someone about God and the, and about Jesus Christ, okay, it, it is it is cru- crucial. It is critical. It is crucial that what I portray to the other individual is actually God's thought processes. Okay, it's how God thinks. When we get away from that, we get away from truth, and then truth, only truth, stands to reason. All right. You get away from the thoughts of God and you just end up in confusion. Muddles our Christian testimony. Someone said, why is, why is atheism? Why is Uh, I'm not sure what the terminology. Why is the thought of God so scorned on in our world today? I mean, truth, the Bible, God—like people don't have time for it. Why? Why is that? Did did that just happen by accident? Uh, what what what's the deal? How how did America get where it is today? I believe the answer to that is that the people that have gone to church have been disillusioned by a false gospel. And it didn't work. If if people from our culture are coming into our church, they must see consistency in our lives, or they will leave disillusioned. That's just the way it is. That, that, that's the way it is for any congregation. Proverbs twelve nineteen says, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. John, In John 8, Jesus said, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and the, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The third way a testimony, a personal witness is given, given is by the... the, the uh, how can I say this? 
the reality of a personal cleansing, the reality of victory, the reality of purity, the reality of love, the reality of mercy, the reality of truth, the reality of joy and peace and gentleness and meekness and temperance, and you can go on and on and on. When people see the reality of that being worked out in a Christian's life, that is a witness that cannot be refuted. They may reject it, but they cannot refute it. And someone told me something a long time ago. It's always been a challenge to me. Sobering thought. That I, we, can never lead someone into a deeper spiritual experience with Jesus Christ than what we have ourselves. That, my friend, is a sobering thought. If we want to help someone else find Jesus Christ, we are going to have to be reflecting what we are offering them through Christ. So may ask, what gives a witness credibility? Now the word witness also means, means martyr. You probably knew that. It also means martyr. One who gives his life. Could it be that my personal witness is rooted in my commitment to the giving of myself? Now, I'll use this illustration. So you're an employee, I mean an employer, and you have, say, five employees, and they range from somebody that's beefing about the coming to work late and uh, you know just 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 or you know just there for the money and then maybe you have one that's actually actually working against the boss and he's going around spreading rumors and all this kind of stuff so you have you know one of them and then you have one that's uh, um, yeah shows up on time but doesn't you know make any waves or anything and then and you have uh, one that, uh, yeah, we'll stay over ten minutes extra, you know. And and but then you have one to do absolutely anything. You, I, I mean, you know, he, that he or she is committed. I mean, just just all. How we can make this thing work a little better, and how I can contribute a little better, and tell me what I can do better, and and and, and okay. So then this question comes up. What shall we do about this particular thing in the business? And all these five people are sitting there, and they all give their opinion. Who are you going to listen to? I think the answer is obvious. You listen to the one that's always beefing and always running a company down and always coming to work late and fooling around on the phone. And you know, Are you going to pay attention to that? Now, you do well to listen to your critics. Uh, I, actually, Abraham Lincoln used to put people on um, appoint them offices in the government, you know, on boards or committees or whatever, because he said, my critics will tell me stuff that my friends will never will. So he said, I, I put them on there just to get more information. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you always shouldn't listen to your critics. I mean, really, seriously, because they'll tell you stuff that you, nobody else will. But who are you going to listen to? 
as an employer, you're going to listen to the man that wants to do everything that he can possibly do to make it work. He'll come early. He'll stay late. He'll do anything. The one that is there who gives of himself to the max to you as an employee, that one is going to carry the most weight. Why are we so impressed, challenged by Apostle Paul? Because he quit when he going got tough? No. You know what Paul said? I count not, neither count I my life dear unto myself. There is absolutely no substitute in this whole dynamic of giving a personal testimony for Jesus Christ within the congregation or without the congregation as to my commitment whether I am there. Who was it? Uh, who was the lady that husband got shot in the jungles and... Yeah, Jim Elliott's wife says, wherever you are, be all there. I think that's who she said that. Wherever you are, be all there. There is no substitute for our witness to be effective when everybody knows we're all there. There's no, no substitute for that. And that's a challenge to me. Do I count myself dear to myself? My primary focus should be on witnessing to others or my primary focus to be all there for Jesus Christ and the witness comes out of that. And I, and I just, I just had to sit in, in my chair and think, like, should we? And maybe this is a waste of time. I don't know. I, I kind of super analyze, try to super analyze stuff, and not sometimes I don't get anywhere anyhow. I don't know. But would it be valuable for us to layer our witnesses? I mean, it's like, which one builds on which one, which builds on this one, then builds on this one. It's like. Is it is it to our disadvantage if we get one over top of the other? It's like, like, just sit and think about that. All right. So the Anabaptist perspective. What made their witness impact the world the way it did? Because they were out busy in a flurry? Or was it because they stood and gave their life for what was right? Just think about that. Something made that powerful. Not like they didn't go out and witness. But what was the power house behind it? That, yeah. What, J what gave Jesus credibility? Well, one of the things that gave Jesus credibility, in a sense at least, uh, for starters, was that John the Baptist was a forerunner of his. Okay, so John the Baptist was a firebrand for God, and he told it the way it was, 
And you know, he, he, yeah, they come out to see what was going on. And when John got their attention, he says, "Now wait a minute, you're looking at me, but you're looking at the wrong person." So here, here, here's the man. Here's the here's the man. So those have gone before us. Does do impact the ability for us to give a witness, and that I. I deeply appreciate everything that happens in the cities. I am 150% witnessing in the cities. But there is a dynamic that is somewhat missing there when you hand a person a tract and they don't know who you are. I mean, they just kind of, they glance at you and you, you know, it's kind of a brief encounter there. And, and that's well and good, and we need to be doing that. I don't minimize that at all. But, um, and we pray that maybe others would have went there before us, you know. It's like when a, an evangelist or a speaker comes to a, a congregation and gives an altar call, I, I think it's presumptuous if that person feels that they did the whole job. No. No. There's a lot of work behind the scenes that's being done. Particularly when you think of a young person to give their life to Christ. You know, the planting and the watering and all that comes, and, and it's just the time was right for reaping. Uh, Jesus' works gave him credibility. His father gave him credibility. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What is God's summer upper <laughs> of my life? This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Can God say that? So I'm challenged this morning. I uh, just the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know about you, but and I, I don't try to be judgmental. I know people are all different, but. <clears throat> something about meeting other Christians it's not long till you find out whether they are spirit filled I heard this one brother related to me he went to this uh, church function somewhere and the men were outside talking afterwards and he tried his best to get a, a spiritual conversation going and he said I could not for the life of me all they wanted to talk about was diesel trucks and chips and how many horsepower it was and everything else he said I could not get it he said I tried my best he said I could not get it off the ground and then you meet with somebody and their spirit bears witness with God's spirit and you just know. You just know. I don't know how to explain it. But it, but it just flows. Like the common bond of Jesus Christ and the power of God and the Holy Spirit flowing in that person's life and your life, and, and, and it just, like, you walk away and you say, wow, I never shook the person's hand. But that person, that person is a powerhouse for God. That person is all in. That person is all committed. That person wants to know what God wants for their life. That person... Uh, you know, it, it just, it's there. The witness of the Spirit between the people and the Holy Spirit. 
I just, uh, thanks Alex for, uh, that little comment. <laughs> that, 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 uh, let me ask a question. Where did Alex get that information? Whole world, people come up to you and say, "Oh, you know, we have a healthy church. We have a healthy church." So when the person called and said, "So how's your church?" and Alex just parroted what everybody else said. Pardon? Yes, that's right. I I I am. So so blessed. I, I was so blessed to hear that. I mean, just Alex's comment. I was. I, it's, it's not about me. It's about God. Not about the preachers. Not about the bishop. It's not. It, it's everybody doing their thing uh, for God as God directs them. And uh, the beauty of that, the value of that, and how much that's worth. It just—I would just like to bless you as a congregation, and, and just and and just uh, we'll all be challenged together to just to strive to continue to keep that. That that is that is so valuable. I believe as we strive to be one as Jesus is with God, we place ourselves in a position to impact the world. We probably don't understand, but God does know.